So hello and welcome back to Groovy Men Ministries. Today I wanted to talk a little bit about what it means to minister to millennials. Uh, you might ask yourself why a guy at my age should have anything to say to millennials, and I would answer that for the entirety of my career, I've never worked with anyone over maybe 30, let's say 31 years of age. As an advertising creative director, what you do is you effectively uh, work with younger talents and help them develop their talents, bring them to fruition. I was known as what was called a book builder. That means that people would um, work for my agency right out of school, and they knew that by working with me, they would be able to build their portfolios and in turn get a job in a big agency. I was completely happy with doing this uh, because uh, I benefited, my costs remained relatively low, and the people that worked for me also benefited in that their books expanded and became uh, more professional and comprehensive. Uh, some of my protégés, I guess you'd say, one went and became the director of Black Book in New York, which was a photographic magazine that was very influential in... Uh, you know, in advertising circles in New York, uh, others. Uh, one became a creative director in various positions at the Target Corporation and Lifetime, uh, whereas others went on to work at Fallon, which is a very uh, successful and famous agency in Minneapolis. And uh, even some people uh, went into digital marketing positions as a result of kind of going through my training program. So I think I know a little bit about what younger people face. And specifically, uh, I, I think I am aware of or have an appreciation for the challenges that younger people face in finding the Word of God. The main difference between the 70s and early 80, 80s when I was you know, growing up when I was in my teens and my 20s, uh, and today is that a a layer of communication, which I'm going to call, I like to call it the metaverse, although that term is used today to define putting on a headset and, you know, operating in an alternate reality. But I think the metaverse can also be used to explain the layer of communication and opinion-making that comes between the reader or the consumer of the information and the actual story or facts themselves. Meta is, of course, from the Greek that essentially implies the layer above the layer, the layer above reality. And as we all know, today, the, the Internet, okay? <laughs> you know, the Internet is that essential layer that that serves as the gatekeeper for all of the uh, trends and thought patterns and mores and everything else that uh, someone uh, is impacted by as they go through the world. So I think the one area above all other areas that millennials don't always appreciate is the 
is the absolute, all-consuming, ubiquitous uh, nature of what I'm going to call here the metaverse or the, the layer of communication that stands between you and essential stories and the facts. Uh, you are conditioned more than any other generation, and certainly the generations that have followed you, by the by this layer of communication. Now, the metaverse itself, and I'm going to just refer to this as the metaverse in the, in the sense that I've defined it. This meta layer is completely run by, for the most part, firmly committed atheists. The concept of Christianity is seen as more or less depicted as an evil to be associated with it uh, at sc- if you, so if you were to look at who you who you are as an individual and you were to say that you were a Christian, I would think that if you if you were sitting at uh, you know, Microsoft or Facebook and you looked at this and somebody identified as a Christian, if you were to analyze that person, at scale, you would say that 85% to 95%, 85% to 90% of the of the universe would be arrayed against you, because the the metaverse has done a wonderful job of, and I mean that sarcastically, of uh, demonizing the Christian and the Christian life and Christian beliefs. Part of this is due to the fact that. The scientific community uh, generally uh, isn't where you look for spiritual guidance. However, if you take a step back and you look at history itself, you will realize that, and I'm going to go back to theology here, some of the most influential theologians of the 20th century were scientists. There's one, I'm always going to pronounce his name incorrectly, but his he was a Catholic priest by the name of Taylard de Chardin. Um, we can go back and take a look at how you say his name and how you pronounce it later, but he was uh, extremely influential in trying to reconcile the scientific disciplines and the spiritual differences, disciplines, and he didn't see any distinction between the two. He saw uh, a almost a symmetry between them, a kind of a uh, sort of mutual dependence upon each other. Um, but whether you accept uh, the scientific method and reject Christianity, or you accept the scientific method and embrace Christianity, the 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 bottom line here is that we are dealing with a kind of a, a social, psychological uh, situation for a younger person that people growing up in the 20th century really didn't have to deal with uh, to the same extent that you have to deal with it today. And I think it's important to recognize at least how deeply you can be influenced by this. I'm here to let you know that from a 
historical and even theological perspective, you can still take heart in knowing that some of the, I'm going to call them patron saints of the internet, and one in particular by the name of Marshall McLuhan, who, who in effect predicted the internet back in the 60s. He is somebody you should study. His name is Marshall McLuhan, and he wrote a book called Understanding Media. And in that book, he described a term he called the global village. And by describing the global village, what he was talking about, of course, was the Internet that we have as we know it today. The ability to instantaneously communicate with anybody in real time at all times, um, ubiquitously, wherever you might be. So... So he talked about this global village, and he also had a saying that became. He he liked to use, he liked to use uh, turns of phrase, turns of phrases, turns. He liked to use the turn of phrase to get his point across. And his famous saying was, "The media is the message." In fact, if you like old movies, you should watch Annie Hall. Uh, which is by Woody Allen. He won an Academy Award for the movie, and uh, in it, Marshall McLuhan has a cameo <laughs> where somebody in, in 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 line, they're waiting to go see a movie, and a guy's talking about understanding media and a professor, and he's explaining it to his date, and Marshall McLuhan comes up to him and says, that's not what I have in mind at all with my book. It's funny. It's funny stuff. But he said the media is the medium is the message, and I didn't understand that myself for a long time. Um, but... But then I came to understand it, and the way it was explained to me was, so when television became ubiquitous, I keep using that word, meaning, you know, available everywhere, when televisions became cheap, in other words, when Sears reduced the cost of a television set for the average American consumer, an increase in homework being delivered late was shown across American society, empirically validated. Kids started to get their homework in late. Why? Because of television, right? So in that case, the media itself changed human behavior. And again, what millennials and Gen Y have to understand is that the media is indeed the message. The media is capable of changing your behavior. The way the media has changed behavior for young people, and all people for that matter, is it, it clearly has increased FOMO, the fear of missing out on whatever the next greatest thing happens to be. Now, that's been with society forever, and it's it's particularly a challenge for younger people who want to be cool and fit in and all that kind of stuff. But it has increased that sense of uh, disquiet and uncertainty that people feel about not really knowing, being, being left behind. And... Uh, 
really the internet is to blame for accelerating that behavior. Interestingly enough, however, the guy that said the media is a message, right, he himself was a Catholic, and he himself was a Christian, and he actually thought that what we now know as the Internet would offer an opportunity to evangelize people. I think if you're listening this far in this mini-sermon, so to speak, you might know that Christians have adapted well to the Internet. Christianity itself has always used broadcast media to get their message out. Um, I, about 10 years ago, was at a conference in in uh, I think it was Nashville that was the Christian Broadcasting Association. I was working with Sony and uh, on some on some digital media and and I attended this conference and I'm like, why do you want to send me there? And they're like, well, you know, this this group has been at the forefront of a lot of what's happened in 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 radio broadcasting over the years. And now I think they've adopted really well to the internet as well. Um, you look at like Turning Point USA and you see the kinds of production values that some of their bloggers use and it's, it's just over the top. So um, I think that um, there is a way to, 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 to acquaint yourself with uh, whatever flavor of Christianity uh, you might want to acquaint yourself with. But uh, additionally, I think it, it's helpful to understand that uh, the... The message that Christianity offers, the ability to transcend the here and now through a belief in the redemptive power of Jesus, is your ultimate antidote to the FOMO and the disquiet and the... uh, sort of anxiety that that you cannot help but feel or indeed escape from given the world that we live in today. But be assured that it does exist. And the more you pursue the Christian life, and specifically pursue the Christian life according to some of the tenets that, that that I, that I will I will talk about and that I already have talked about a little bit, the more you can be at peace with yourself. And that alone is why it's worth pursuing this path. Thanks for listening again to Groovy Man Ministries, and I will catch you on the flip side in my next talk. Adios. <laughs>